So it's uber premium. This is built for who? Who is the target golfer? This is for the very affluent golfer, for the affluent golfer who likely plays at a country club and is willing to pay a premium for, they say performance. It's a good phrase. Like just, yeah, like, look at me, look at what I got. Um, I paid a lot of money for it. Suck it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Tony Covey, Chris Nickel, that's us. No putts given. How's everybody living? We're wearing blue shirts today, Tony. Is there any reason for that? No. None. There is not. I'll I'll tell you something. So here's my random story of the week. So I want to say last weekend, not not the one that just happened, the weekend before, we had the final match in our Tuesday match play league, but we had to schedule it and play it on a Sunday, all inconsequential. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look good for this match. So I put on long pants and a you know, nice white shirt with gray accents. And then I put something similar to what you had, like a, a Cobra crew sweater type thing on over the top of it. So I had this nice navy and gray theme going on. I'm like, I look all right. I look good. Pull up to McGregor. There's my partner on the driving range. And he's basically dressed exactly the same <laughs> as I am. Like, and I'm just like, oh, God, what do we do? <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Yeah. The guys were playing enough. against them. Like I swear, we did not plan this. We did not dress alike on purpose. So we, yeah. All right. Team so sport. Th- so let's get it. We a couple topics today, and I have a question on that. But a couple topics today. New ping irons out. We're going to dive into those new line of Callaway clubs, but with a familiar name. Before we get into that, did you guys win or lose your match? We lost because I cannot putt. Had nothing to do with how you were dressed. No, no, I think I think that was probably that that's what kept us in it. But yeah, I I can't put it anymore. This it's done, over. I, just, I need snow. That's my matter. Like I you need, need a break. Snow. Sometimes uh, breaks are good. Um, I got I got to try and play a couple times this week though. I got some I got some stuff to try for mm-hmm. we tried it. Mm-hmm. And I need to Stay try tuned. that. Yes, I need Stay to try tuned. that before cuz it's like it is one of them is a shoe, but it's not a snowshoe. So, a regular shoe, golfing shoe, golfing shoe. Stay tuned. Ping is coming out. Has come out. Announced new i two thirty irons and an i crossover. We've seen the the irons in particular out on the interwebs, and pros have been playing it. Ping staffers have been playing it for you know a number of months now, uh, for sure. But before we get into some of the more specifics and details of it, quick overview, Tony. What what are these all about? Why and who should even care? This to me is is one of the more interesting products on the market in a general kind of way. Because it's iSeries, which for Ping is their better player series. But as far as better players irons go, this one definitely trends. It's on that towards the game improvement side of that scale. So you know, Ping bills it, interesting tagline, clever. A player's iron everyone can play. It's a lot of playing. So, yeah, so I think it's it's in terms of handicap where it fits in the market, I think there's a there's a solid range there that it covers. So kind of a, a good, not just middle, middle of the market, trending slightly players, but middle of Ping's lineup offering as well. So it's, it's a nice kind of middle of the road. Yeah, so for people that maybe aren't as familiar with Ping's lineup, like you said, I series that I tends to denote more of you know a better player's line. Where does this sit now? 
in in Ping's family because we have the I fifty nine. Obviously, we have the Ping blueprint, which is kind of its own thing a little bit, right? Um, where does this kind of sit? Where Where are we in G series? Is that four twenty five or four four twenty five? Well, it's going to be uh, four thirty here at some point soon. Right? It's, when, yeah, eventually for sure. Yeah, so this is this is kind of between that that I five two five and uh, G four twenty five G thirty whatever number we're on gonna be on. It is kind of that the one that, that straddles game improvement and players. But again, I series. So as far as pings concerned, players irons. But this is one of those ones where I think you know if you're a if you're a fifteen handicap, you can probably play this comfortably. But so yeah. It's not, yeah, when you, see you take something like a, a Titleist T100, for example, that is also technically a player's iron, this is sort of the opposite end of the range from that. Mm-hmm. Yet we've seen, I mean, I think about a player like, you know, Stuart Sink, Lee Westwood. You can throw out a, a number of different players' names. I know the I-Series prior to this I-210, very, very popular on both PGA Tour, but also popular on LPGA Tours all over the place. So, there's not really – I don't necessarily see that there's an upper limit in terms of, you know, better players saying, geez, I – I'm you know, too good for an I'm too good for an, for an I-230. I, I don't see that either. So in some ways, like, I might want to almost argue that this is, uh, you know, is this Ping's most encompassing, or to quote Mitch Hedberg, right, all-encompassingly, is this their most encompassing, uh, encompassing iron? Like, does yes, ever... I think so. I like that. It is probably the broadest range of players, both in terms of the performance specification, but also in terms of how it looks, who it's going to appeal to. There's nothing you know, huge. It's not a huge iron. It's not off-putting in that respect, but it's also not so small that it's overly intimidating. So it is, it's kind of a little sweet spot in the lineup, I think. Yeah, and ping isn't necessarily one that wows us with. I'm know, not wowed long press releases and a lot of pomp and circumstance and bright colors and things like that. But anything jump out to you about it in terms of specs, details, materials, those kind of things. Again, I know ping, like I said, it's something I like about ping is I don't expect a lot of flash (coughs) and this I expect, you know, here's the information. Here's why we did it. Here's what we hope it does here. You know, this was the feedback and there you go. Love it or hate it. You know, da, da 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 But anything jump out to you? Not, not like jumping out of a bush screaming Halloween style. I mean, it's it's typical ping. So, hey, what the about MOI. jumping out of a bush like a little? Very, it's very polite. Jump out of the bush kind of thing. It's like maybe an ant, an animal, just kind of ambling out of a bush. Yeah, like, it's oh. kind of it's kind of wandered out and it's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm a little bit higher MOI, so I'm a little bit more forgiving and. We're getting a little more speed out of the face, so I'm, I'm three yards longer. That's our, our ballpark number here is is plus three yards because of a little bit of extra speed and things like that. But it's, you know, like you said, it's it's pretty much a textbook ping release in that there's just not a, a lot of, you know, hey, you know, we've got this crazy new material or mixing materials is a story we're going to hear about as we move into the Callaway stuff and, and kind of mm-hmm. it's just nothing – ever really audacious in a, in a ping press release. I was actually thinking about this before we hopped on. I'm like, in terms of like breakthrough technologies that ping actually attempted to make some noise with, it's 
turbulators. And that's really kind of in the last 10 years, give or take, really. That's not to say they haven't made some really cool stuff and cool stuff that works and, and helps golfers. And, you know, like the, you know, I go back to the LST series and the driver lineup, especially for me, that's one that I think is really impressive. Hydro Pearl finish, right? Water yeah. repelling, which these irons have. We know that makes a huge difference. But in terms of like something that golfers can see, it's not going to be a red face. It's not, it's, it's just, hey, we made it more forgiving. Yeah, I think two, I mean, two things that jumped out to me a little bit, like you said, it's not going to, you know, jump up and slap you in the side of the face or, or something like that. But one, I was kind of scrolling through and then I'm like, oh, we crested that $200 mark. So these are, you know, 205. A but that is, which... that is 205 MSRP, which is this weird thing that Ping habitually does. I'm like, just, just tell me how much it's going to cost at a store. And I'm like, yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> so that is your MSRP, but typically your map, your minimum advertised price, your actual street price is going to be below that. I can't promise that at this particular <laughs> point in time, but I would guess that, that our actual price is lower. Yep. So that's up. And they, they, they made a note uh, here in, in in their press release to talk a little bit about modal analysis, and you know, again, we don't often think about paying in the same context as a Mizuno or a Strixon or something like that, where we're talking forged construction, soft feel, all these kind of things, etc. But the reason that part kind of jumped out to me a little bit was. They mention the same type of process that we know these other companies use to help understand. And basically with, you know, when you hit a ball, right, it creates frequency, creates vibration. And the whole idea of making something feel good is, as Kevin Nealon's right, character in Happy Gilmore said, harness energy, block bad. Harness energy, Tony, block bad. So you don't want to eliminate all the vibrations coming through, right? Because that, that's when you tend to get these clubs that kind of feel really squishy or damp. It's kind of how I, I, I sense it. And just kind of like, eh, eh. better players, they want some element of that vibration coming through. And if you curate that vibration in a way that is pleasing, right? You let through the good vibrations, you get this sensation at impact that people tend to resonate with and say, Oh, that feels really, really good. So ping says that they, they're paying attention to that on, on this one, maybe more so than, than other products they have in the past, but. Well, they've, they've had a sound lab for a while. Again, going back to kind of that, I want to say it started with G 400. That was kind of the first time I remember them talking about it. They didn't make a big deal out about, about it. They haven't talked about it as much as some others, but. They are consist constantly analyzing these stuff, trying to dial in, as you say, these frequencies. Because as much as we say, hey, sound and feel is subjective, you, you can measure these things. And within that, there are frequency ranges and, and sort of amplitudes and peaks and valleys and the way that these things all resonate. There, there are spots where, where it is generally accepted that, hey, if we're in this range, people are going to say, this is what feels good. Most people, not everybody. And then if we kind of escape that one direction or the other, you get into that dead feel or that pitchy feel or whatever that is. So it's 
it's sort of, I guess it's, it's using actual science to dial in what is often considered to be subjective. Yeah. Not and whether people. or not they did it, who knows? Cause again, <laughs> sometimes, uh, some yeah. things don't live up to the billing. Well, yeah, not many people like nails on a chalkboard. It It is subjective, but not many people like that. And you, you do tend to kind of find those things. But it's, it's interesting that that's more of an emphasis, right, this, you know, this time around. They also have a player's crossover that they're pairing with us. I always really felt like in the past, like, there's more disconnect. Like, just meaning that the crossover kind of sat at, at you know, as its very own category. And now it feels like Ping is kind of... Again, I'm, I'm going to compare it to Mizuno a little bit. With, you know, when they kind of launched their irons and they put the MP Fly High in there as kind of part of that bundled iron release, Ping's doing that now, right, with this I crossover players kind of design crossover. Yeah, and to me, the crossover is kind of always a little bit of a weird one because it was, it was G-Series. Mm-hmm. Crossover has traditionally been... A G series product, as we as we mentioned, G series typically the game improvement side of the Ping Iron franchise and, and crossover by extension. Not a driving iron, but still kind of a driving iron. Sort and of, it, yeah. it always seemed out of place. And the story that that Ping is telling is, hey, we went back and we we looked at a bunch of Arcos data we have coming in because now Ping has been integrated with the Arcos system for a few years now, starting to mine that data. And one of the things that they kind of pulled out of that is that hey it turns out that our crossovers are are by and large being used by better players and so why why would that be a game improvement iron or part of a game improvement family when our data suggests that this is actually more of a it should be more of an i series product and so there's a little bit of a redesign here to make it more of a true i series offering so I think this one's this one's probably to me even more interesting than the i two thirty. If for no other reason, the i two thirty is pretty much you know ping steady as she goes. Where this is actually a little bit of a departure from what they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and by going into that i series, expect to see less offset, little less offset, maybe a little little thinner top line, but definitely more compact heel to toe. I think they mentioned that they did that in the long irons as well, in just. General 230 coming from 210 to, uh, to the 230 product that a little bit um, yeah reduced heel toe length. So if that's kind of been you and you like that product and you're in that ping ecosystem or looking at that, this one should be a little more player-ish to your eye um, than, than the previous crossovers, right? Yeah, and the other thing too is they've added an adjustable hosel to this one. So this will be the first time you can actually get your wrench out and have a little fun, tune your crossover to kind of dial in your preferred flight, typical billing. But again, hey, it's we've got a we've got a stock range and, and this is one of those things I it's an odd one, but I've I've always appreciated the companies who've made these adjustable utility clubs. Remember when when Cobra launched its first one, Mike Yagley yeah. over at Cobra at the time said you know, the ball flight that you want, it's somewhere in this range. And so by by being able to kind of just make those small tweaks at the hosel, maybe you just need it to fly a little higher, launch a little lower, more spin, less spin, whatever. Whatever it happens to be, you have that option to to kind of tune without having to throw it on a Mitchell machine or something like that. So it's yeah. just kind of we talked about it when we talked about the the drivers, right? One of the things that Ping always wants to do with every new release is 
to the extent possible, extend the fitting capabilities, extend the range of the golfers that, that can be fit into this product if it, indeed it is the right product. And so by, by adding adjustability of the hosel, you do get a bit of that, a little extra, a little wider fitting range, uh, easier to try shafts, obviously, uh, little things like that. So small thing, not, not revolutionary, but I think a, a, a nice little value add there. Mm-hmm. Be very interested to see in that better player category, like you said, it's the whole, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but, you know, creating a club based on on-course big data, like I said, mining the data from Arcos, we're talking, you know, millions of golf shots and saying, hey, how are players actually using a club as opposed to, you know, in an isolated testing environment, right? Or in a particular trial, uh, you know, situation, but over time, what are players really doing or not doing with these clubs? And then how can we make a better product uh, for that? That type of analysis really hasn't been available until kind of until now. Yeah, I think I think it is. We're starting to see data. And in this case, Arcos data in particular, obviously Cobra's, Cobra's been mining it the longest. Ping is now in that ecosystem. Others are are slowly starting to work their way into that <laughs> space, and and now yeah. you're starting to see sort of that real world. This is this is what golfers are actually doing with our products. These are the actual results, and using that data to influence the next generation of designs. And there comes a point where I, I start to wonder if you are one of these companies that that isn't Arcos connected or even in a, looking at it in a broader, if you don't have a means to capture on-course data from, from the golfers who bought your equipment and use that, those insights to inform future products, I think you're probably going to start to fall behind to some degree. Yeah, and you certainly can't. I mean, what a great data set to be able to leverage. And you think about it from a testing perspective, it makes perfect sense. It makes me wonder what else have they already learned or been able to glean from that, that they haven't been able to implement just yet. You know, um, be really I think you'll see it trickling. And I think again, we've, yeah. we've talked about it starting to influence what Cobra does to an extent. Certainly it's going to ping says, yes, it is influencing what we're doing. And I think it gets to the point now, if you're, if you're one of the other large golf companies and you don't have some sort of means to gather this type of insight, from your customers, yeah, yeah, I don't know. it's not a little a little shock, Tony. A little shock that they haven't just said, "Screw it, we're all making blades because you need to learn how to be better." Ball yeah, none of these guys are great ball strikers. You're not gonna just gonna make exclusively <laughs> blades until we solve that problem. Yep, that's what we've we figured out. So, Tony, there's premium, semi premium, mostly premium, uber premium, Callaway, great big Bertha. Uh, uh, a familiar name, no doubt. Yeah, what are they doing, Tony? It's a gift that keeps giving, right? Great big Bertha, big what? Berthas. What big. on God's green earth? What are we doing, Callaway? What is going on here? I don't know how well it's going to come through in this lighting because even with photos, it's kind of t- oh, it's kind of showing up eh? there. The color is that, gr- is, is that green? It, it's it's technically sage, but I call it money green. The color of money. That is money green right there, guys. A little, a little a more little rotation. Sage. We'll try and get to. We'll have our video guy actually throw some real photos up here. Yeah, that's I, a joke. If, I'm the video guy. <laughs> I, it's not a joke. He will. Uh, <laughs> at first glance, I like the green. Well, 
know, that's your opinion. Do you like it? I don't. Do you like you I don't? don't. No. Why not? Well, uh, let's get to the green in a second. And, and part the, of it is, too, is, is just the, on different lighting conditions. Sometimes the green, and you'll see it in our photos, too, it gets a little more of a grayish kind of. See, I kind of like that. But anyway, yeah, it's, not, it's not bad. I mean, it is. I mean, I have seen way uglier drivers. I'm probably going to see way uglier drivers in this year. It's just not. So what is this? What is this line? Great Big Bertha. Give me the 30-second part first, and then let's dive in. What What how, is this thing? How, how about I just tell you a story? Why don't you tell me a story, Tony? So there's it's it's an inside joke, and it's it, it's meant in in a good, fun, positive way. Oh, boy. But what Callaway does for its media presentations, its launches, is they give you a YouTube video, and it, it's really good. In fact, I wish more companies did it. But it's they just give you the technical presentation where they go through and as the name suggests, present the product. So they got, you know, DNEVS, their brand manager, I believe is his title, something like that. And then they always bring in somebody from either R&D or somebody from R&D to kind of talk about the products in a technical level. But one of the things we joke about is how often in these presentations, the words premium, ultra premium, these type of things get thrown around in, in any Callaway presentation. And so we've, we've joked about the idea of have a Callaway drinking game where during these presentations, every time the word premium is used, you drink. And if it's some sort of qualified premium, extra premium, ultra premium, you drink twice. And with the great big Bertha lineup, I think I probably would have been passed out on the floor within three slides. So if that kind of tells you where this fits in the lineup, absolutely. You, you'd be dead. You'd be dead. So yeah, this is a, the Uber ultra Extra mega, super duper mega premium line with a super duper extra mega premium price tag too. So just let's get that out of the way for driver 700 fairway woods, 500 hybrids, 449. That's by design. Irons $450 each a stick. Okay. So let's, let's uh, Bob Parsons is shaking his head right now. I'm like, what are you guys doing? All right. Kaboom baby. So <laughs> kaboom baby is right. So what do I get for that? Right. So we talk about price all the time. Price is it's relative. It's relative to value. It's relative to performance. It's relative to expectation. And perhaps for a certain target demographic, it makes very little difference at all. You and I balk at things when it's like, geez, you know, we're at the PGA show and it's nineteen dollars for a you know chick-fil-a <laughs> sandwich and a pop and we're looking i wish you could get, well no no because i mean in fairness there was one year where they let chick-fil-a come in and they had carts yeah like on the show floor and the, the yeah. chicken sandwiches were like six bucks it was fantastic but most everywhere else it's like oh yeah you want you want a chicken sandwich that you you i'm not saying it's going to give you food poisoning but you're certainly going to feel like 50, maybe you 50. Got a hint of it yeah yeah that'll be twenty dollars you know, like it's just you know, it's a that's, scam. That's, that's a whole tip. other. That's a whole other episode. The now we are PGA show scams. We are typically looking, I believe, at that time for Harry Arnett to come by us lunch because no. <laughs> it was like, wait a minute, does Municipal go to the PGA show? <laughs> I hope so. We'll see. Have to work that out. All right. Harry so, what do you get? What do you get for this? Let's let's uh, let's try to digest this line. So, it's Uber Premium. This is built for who? Who is the target golfer? So for better or worse, and, and part of me appreciates that Callaway spelled it out, and the other part of me is like, oh, 
that's something about it just doesn't feel right. But by by Callaway's own admission, this is for the very affluent golfer. It's for the affluent golfer who likely plays at a country club and is willing to pay a premium for they say performance. We can we can haggle a little bit about that, but this this falls in that space. Um, I learned this phrase from my golf spy reader back when PXG was doing this kind of thing. It's conspicuous consumerism. It's, it's a good phrase. Like just yeah, like yeah. look at me, look at what I got. Um, I paid a lot of money for it. There you Suck go. Suck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, think so, and that's that's where this fits, but. You know, in terms of beyond sort of that piece of the demographics, it is an an entire product line for the the moderate swing speed, slow swing speed, sub eighty five, arguably sub eighty mile an hour golfer. So that's, yep. I mean, that's that's the target for everything. And yep, you know, you can you can talk about the fairway woods. I look at the price here, and I can I struggle a little bit with the driver. It's seven hundred. Touch or on just... Yeah, I struggle with that. The irons at four fifty. It's a stretch, but if I wanted to, I could get there. Again, mm-hmm. we'll go into this in detail. I don't yeah. know where you feel like the fairway woods and hybrids fit into this equation, but I'm like irons. I'm like ah. driver. I'm like. See, I think I think it doesn't matter because I. No, it doesn't. It, definitely doesn't. You know, and it's like. I'm going to, I want to give kudos to Callaway and that's where they, I mean, like I said, how you feel about the conspicuous consumerism or, 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 or component of it is one thing, but you know, here's who we're after. Here's why we're after it. And we can kind of fill in some of those blanks that make sense. And I get it, right? You, you see how many other products are marketed in much the same way. Now, maybe they go about it differently, but you know, Callaway doesn't want somebody, you know, pulling these out of their Honda Civic, right? They want them pulling it out of their Benz or their Maserati or whatever, right? So they want to put themselves in that, you know, cornucopia of consumerism. And you're putting on this type of watch, you're eating at that type of restaurant, playing at this type of course. And Callaway Big Bertha is now part of that ecosystem so i like that i like that they differentiate the color a little bit uh with going with the sage green i i think that's a smart move now the part that i shirk at a little bit it's like okay is the performance component attribute of it just we know just by making something more expensive that doesn't necessarily make it any better performing yeah, and, and so this that's a the case... part where I that's where I get a little like <clears throat> okay, I mean, again, you can take it was, a... it, to me a lot of this reads like a a price point in search of a technology. And so that that's again where I struggle for ultimately it doesn't matter. It, it's for who it is and you know, price things cost what they cost, and if you don't want to spend it, don't spend it. Right. But again, with the irons, I can I can kind of get there with it with the driver. I'm it's to me a really it, it's a struggle because there are so many competitive products in that space priced at market average. In some cases, when you get to like a, a Cleveland Launcher series, for example, um, Cobra, what was F Max again, whatever right. they're calling it now, right? Um, Kills also it. in that space. Yeah. 
far, far less money. This is more of kind of a Zexio competitor. And in terms of, you know, what are you really paying for other than, than to pay for something that somebody else doesn't want to pay for? I don't know. I, again, with the driver, I struggle because I look at this. So one of the talking points with the driver is it's about 30 grams lighter mm-hmm. than, than the, than the road. I'm like, all right, that's, that's not nothing. No. Titleist TS, TSR, or excuse me, TSI one, 40 grams lighter. And I'm not saying 40 is lighter is better than 30. I'm sure these are design philosophies and where you want to come in. Right. But then I look at, all right, how much, how much of this weight is coming from the, the Callaway engineering? And they've done some interesting stuff, right? They're first time ever. And we've talked about this before, probably a year plus ago. Callaway loves to do things for the first time. They love to be first and do yep. things nobody else has done. And that's cool, but ultimately does do those things have any benefit? In this case, we're mixing our triaxial carbon crown with a, what they call a forged composite on the sole. Mm-hmm. Forged composite isn't new. It's, it's what they used on all of their drivers up until I think like 2015 may have been the last one. So it's a material they've used before. Right. They're just putting it in a different place. Hey, cool. But when I measure, when I actually weigh heads, there's nine grams of difference between this this Callaway great big Bertha head and and one of the Rogue heads I have here. So, so ten nine grams. grams nine grams of engineering attributable to Callaway doing something fundamentally different, and the other twenty one is coming from components, lighter grips, lighter shafts. So there's not a whole lot of extra engineering that went into this in, that, that manifests itself in any tremendous way. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe maybe this triaxial crown pairing with the with the forged composite is something they're they're starting to do and and may have benefits in other product lines, but I'm I'm not seeing a tremendous weight savings from it here. As I said, other companies can get just as much weight, if not more, out of the head without kind of mixing carbon fibers and doing things like that. So there's nothing remarkable in that. Again, using jailbreak, they're throwing every bit of technology they have at it. Yep. But, but this is established technology, nothing nothing that sort of elevates it to that price point. Mm-hmm. You know, the counter to my own argument is, well, you know what, if I, if I go out and buy a driver today at retail and do get something that's going to fit me, it's going to cost me a lot more than $700 because I'm going to pay that shaft upgrade. There's no way around it. So whether, whether we start at $600, whether we start at $550, $500 even, I'm probably going to eclipse that $700 barrier. So then it just comes down to, hey, does this UST helium nano core shaft justify a $100 increase? And if you're looking at for, if you're looking this in terms of strictly a performance, that's a decision you have to make. For me, no, it it absolutely does not. There's not $100 worth of additional value in that shaft. Uh, I mean, it's going to get spun and it's going to be just like the previous helium where it's, you know, out of the gate, it's exclusive in this amazing thing for low sweet speed players. And then you're going to see it filter in everywhere as the de facto stock low swing speed option. I, I have a feeling that's that's the path it's on because that's where UST makes its money in the metal edge shafts in, 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 yeah. in that part of the shaft market. So, yeah, yeah, I, I don't see a hundred dollars worth of value there. Yeah. Um, you can talk to me about the hybrids and, and fairy woods if you want. So, again, interesting I, offering. I just can't get to $700. Yeah. And the part that 
I was wrestling with is within this context of, you know, trickle up or trickle down. And I guess what I mean by that is we saw this when titles came out with concept, um, both the first iteration and second iteration. And we said, okay, there's an inherent difficulty or challenge or difficult conversation you're going to need to have when you do something like that, which is, if we take our best, quote unquote, best technology, and now we've kind of been here, and now we say, hey, we have this product now. Well, how do you convince everybody else that you're still putting your best thinking engineering materials into the stock product? You can't. So in in some ways, right, Callaway, in a, in a sense, is hamstrung by that with this, like, like you're saying, there isn't, it, it's everything, it's the entire kitchen sink of what they have right i mean jailbreak ai forged carbon composite you know go down the list it's absent a new technology and i think part of that is because then they don't have to answer that question of hey if you put this into that product what about everybody else right and or what about you know this isn't designed for the tour this isn't designed for the better players i totally get that this isn't designed for the you know the best of the best in in terms of players that are out there. So, okay, but now you have a situation where, and we saw this with Epic Star, and they kind of geared that more towards the Japanese market, which made sense because oftentimes they expect to pay a little bit more. So it's like, hey, we can do a lot of things, put a higher price tag on it, and that might actually be a good thing. It will resonate with a particular demographic a little bit more, but you know, in this case, I, I, I mean, getting to four fifty or five hundred on a fairway wood, I think the same struggle exists because when you get back to the performance discussion, I, you know, and I'll put this question back on you: What drives performance for the target demographic? Meaning. If the idea is to hit the ball, let's say in this case, further and straighter, right? What's going to ultimately have the greatest impact on performance for your slow swing speed player? That's you know a twelve to a twenty. Call him a bogey golfer. It's it's going to be things like weight. Let's save weight again. Every See, just about every company other than Ping has something in this lightweight range now. I guess TaylorMade probably doesn't either, but that's your key, right? Save weight, add length. We, we talk about with, with Titleist swinging the heaviest hammer. Well, you know, they can also sort of add a bit of power by swinging a longer hammer. And that's that's the theory here. So we're going we're gonna to save weight. We're going to give you speed through length, lighter weight, longer length. You're going to swing it faster. And then ultimately, we just need you to hit it higher with a bit more spin. And, and some of that's going to be loft. Some of that's going to be, again, the shaft you put in here. But I mean, if you look, let's talk about the shaft market as a whole. The the stuff that commands a premium is typically the things that use exotic materials to strategically stiffen regions so that you can have kind of these, these low launch designs, these low torque designs, these things that are that also lighter up, weight. Yeah. These things that hold up to speed, which is not right. You're not, you're not seeing the equivalent of a Ventus Black, for example, for a lower swing speed player because it, it doesn't need to exist because it's not you're not putting <coughs> those same type of forces on the club. So 
it is it is typically for me very difficult to justify any type of exotic upgrade for this type of player to begin with and then you know i just i just don't see this helium nano core as an exotic upgrade again i think this is you know, we've we've hinted at this before but this idea of hey we're not we're not necessarily doing made for shafts the way we used to the the faux ventus and the right. tailor made notwithstanding but we are seeing these things is look we're gonna we're gonna make this shaft for the for the for the club makers it is an oem shaft it's a it's a made for shaft but because we don't want to make it so obvious that that's what it is we're also going to sell it in the aftermarket at an elevated premium price point but again it's it's just that it's not anything in the design to command that price point it's a price point and a market placement to make it look better in the OEM club lineup. And yeah. we, we've seen a lot of that. I think that's kind of what this is. And I, and again, my, my expectation is you'll see the shaft everywhere. And, and again, for the right golfer, I think it probably is a pretty good offering, a really solid offering. That's what the original helium was, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't command a high price point. Yeah. And it's, so back to the performance discussion, is there anything in there that you look at and say from a proprietary standpoint or something like, again, I'm going back to Titleist a little bit with conceptories because of the unobtainium, right? The, the, the metal that they use that I, I still don't know what it is. I don't, I've never, I haven't been able to get anybody to disclose that to me publicly or privately, but I know it's expensive. I know they have to get it in, in certain batch sizes and, and things like that so there's at least something there of mystery driving that conversation do we have that situation here is there something that you can point to that you say hey i don't see how another company could replicate at a different or at a similar price point well i mean other than the the sort of your your standard suite of callaway technologies now your your jailbreak your ai face right you're you're replicating your own technology and you don't get to raise the price for replicating your own technology. So no, I don't, I don't see anything in the metal woods. Yeah. That justifies the price point. Yeah. In the metal irons, woods. the irons, like I said, the irons curiosity, I think you know, 450 is high. No, maybe, doubt. maybe even trending absurd, but again, there's, if the market will accept it and same, same thing with, with the drivers, fairway woods and hybrids, if the market yeah. will accept it, that's cool. But at least with the hybrid, there's some or the the irons I can point to, like oh my god, and I don't expect anybody gets excited about tungsten. <laughs> like it just no matter how many times it's stand I the stand, I do. I get but, thrilled. Uh, I mean, when I say Love 145 it. grams of tungsten and iron, like that is that is massive tungsten. I mean, it was Lots. just a couple of years ago where I think Titleist was putting in 50 grams and, and then 80 grams, and they're like, oh my god, look how much tungsten. I'm like, well, you know. 145 grams, 133 percent more than Rogue SD Max, and that—that's a lot tungsten, of tungsten. It is, and and again for this tar- for the target player, it makes sense to really kind of drive that that CG as low as it possibly can to get the, that high launch, and it's it's 100 percent titanium construction, titanium body, titanium face. So you know that adds cost, maybe not all the cost, but that's the thing if you've got. You know, let's say you've got an iron you sell for 200 a stick and you put in technology to another iron that costs $10 more an iron. Well, you're not going to sell that one for $210 an iron. Like you're going to, you're going to jump a price bracket. And so I think that that's here. What we've done is, is jumped a couple price brackets. I think in terms of the aesthetics, 
again, it's it's not my style, but I can see where you look at that and go, yeah, this this looks like an Uber Extra Ultra Premium kind of product. Mm -hmm. So I like it. Again, four fifty may be a stretch. I'm not the target audience. <laughs> um, yeah, I can I can almost get there. Little things commercially commercially pure titanium. And who knows, it could be a thing that everybody uses and Callaway just decided to talk about it, uh, which is, is something yeah. we see in the industry quite a bit where, hey, we you know do. what, like we, there's this thing that everybody else is doing, but nobody's mentioned it before. So we're going to put a stake in the ground here and claim as our own. Um, but again, I can I can kind of get there with the iron, even at 450. But yeah, metal I mean, ones, not so much. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, you're not the target demographic. I'm certainly not the target demographic. I, I would love to hear some people's thoughts, right? Like, yeah, let us know if you yeah. are in that in that group. Because, like I said, at the end of the day, our thoughts on the prices and stuff, okay, whatever, probably doesn't matter. Uh, in the sense, you know, like I said, they're not built for us. So, if that's you, you do right? you kind like, of have to throw performance out the window a little bit here. No, look, it's a Callaway driver. Yeah, I will accept that as a Callaway driver, it's going to be a pretty good performer. Like it's mm -hmm. very rare that a Callaway driver isn't. Right. But I want to know too, like this this idea of it being under you know again Callaway and Great Big Bertha, right? Like those names that resonate in terms of a brand and brand presence. Are they able to crest? and get into a different demographic, different price point, and be more of that aspirational luxury type item. Like I personally always struggled when I would see like a Toyota Land Cruiser because they're so expensive. I'm like, I am not paying eighty ninety thousand dollars aspirational brand. Right. I'm not paying eighty ninety thousand dollars for a Toyota SUV, right? Now, there's some people, I was having an argument with my brother uh, the other day about this. We were talking about the Kia, a couple, I don't know, a couple cars, things, or or whatever, and he's like, yeah, but it has these specs and that engine, and I'm like, but it's still a Kia. Am I going to pay Mercedes prices for a Kia, regardless of, you? Could, even if you could justify every single dollar of it. At the end of the day, a Genesis is a Hyundai, right? That's Yeah, regardless of whether or not, I mean, and again, let's assume you can. You can justify every single dollar in terms of impact, performance, whatever, whatever the case is. Can Callaway be both a luxury, aspirational brand... And the the dominating brand that it is uh, in the consumer space, that wider breadth of, you know, again, just general, you know, golfer. I mean, it is, you know, largest company, right, whatever in the world. But can it, under the same name, have that have that piece to it, that aspirational piece to it? I I don't know. I think again, I think Titleist. Like, I don't associate Titleist with concept at all, ever. I, I, I just, I, I don't, but I, yeah, I mean, is that, is that kind of why Cleveland, Strixon, Zexio have three different pieces to it? But, and even those, those pieces aren't this far spread apart. I get a hundred bucks and I don't know for a fact, but I'm going to assume that, that Callaway, as it continues to reaffirm itself as a premium golf brand is not going to come into the market 
below Titleist with its mainstream driver. It's not going to be below TaylorMade again. No, so I think no way. six, and and maybe the new stuff will come out at at seven hundred, and this will just not seem as ridiculous because that's just how much Callaway prices its drivers for. But I think I think six is as low as it goes. I think that's who they are as a brand, and so yeah, I, it's it's a it's tough to see that kind of separation. And again, the jump to the to the four hundred and fifty dollar irons is is kind of at that level, but. You know, maybe maybe it is. Hey, hey, today we're this, and, and tomorrow we're that. That's that's essentially what PXG is trying to do. Right? We're a premium mm-hmm. band. No, we're no, we're bargain basement. Well, but our right. wedges are four hundred fifty each. And, but PXG yeah. started up here. Right. It started up here. It didn't start anywhere in the middle, right? It's I easier mean, it's, not to fight gravity. It's yeah. I mean, PXG started up here and eventually had, like you said, we. But we to be fair, about, too, this is not. This is something that has been under various names ubiquitous to the Callaway lineup for several generations, right? They did the Epic Irons and you mentioned the, yeah, the GBB star. star. And I mean, go back to even before PXG, right? The, the big mm-hmm. birth of fusion irons. Yeah. It's not a stretch to say, Hey, they're doing anything radically different than they've done before. And on one hand, Hey, that that's good. But also when I look at the technology, I also say they're not doing anything radically yeah. different than they've done before to get there. But again, it's, it's a price point play. There is an audience there. We know it. And so, hey, if, if that's you, more power to you. Just from a performance perspective, it's a struggle for me to get to these price points. Yeah. One last argument on the iron piece. Like you said, it's easier. You can get a little closer to, to the irons. I think for me, I think about it another way as well, which is when you buy an iron, you're buying probably, let's say, at least five of them. So call it five to six, right? And you're typically not buying five drivers, right? You're going to buy one so fairway would probably the same thing so let's say that uh, that that 700 (laughs) let's say that 700 four metal woods five irons that's pretty that seems fair but let's say even that 700 dollars is a hundred dollars beyond right and let's say that the the 450 and 500 for the hybrids and fairway woods respectively is even 150 bucks above what a you know commensurate uh you know one would be in a different place in their line or in that kind of spot in the line, but from a, uh, you know, Titleist or Ping or, or whomever. Irons, that's, I mean, easily $200 per club more than the lightweight version. So if you're buying five, that's a $1,000 difference. So to me, it's like, yeah, on an individual one, maybe, maybe not. But man, for a set of irons, the difference between... $1,400 and $2,400 is a much, much larger total difference once you get to the register. Again, the target buyer probably doesn't care. That $1,000 maybe. What's, you know, I mean, what's what's it, what's that line from Forrest Gump? Right? There's only so much you need money you need. The rest is just for showing off. Yeah. This is the showing off money. This is what you do with it. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you spent your, hey, you spent $500, $800 on, you know, took people out to dinner last night, then... These are for you. That just doesn't. That's ah, not my world. <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, any final thoughts on that, Tony? No, I, I struggle to hate it. Like I don't. <clears throat> there's nothing inherently bad about it. No. I just I don't no. think there's anything inherently wonderful about it either. It just kind of is what it is, and it's you know, if not if not for the price point, I guess that's the thing. If not for the price point. I might be talking about 145 grams of tungsten green paint and not much else. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like the green. I guess I guess we'll see. But yeah, if that's you or you know somebody that this this club is for, again, that 12 to 20 handicap, you know, drives a nice car, plays at a really nice uh course, typically has a little bit more disposable income than than Tony and I do combined. Um <laughs> post your post your comments, let us know. Tony Covey, Golf Spy T, Chris Nickel, Golf Spy C. We're out on the interwebs. Let us know your thoughts, feelings, hopes, and dreams. And uh, until next time, we out. <laughs>